You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line today we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Hey, Jeff. My pleasure. So firstly, Eric, there's been a lot of events happening within the global economy in that context, so I think we should start up there first. So firstly, we can see in China, obviously, we've had issues with the stock market and likewise in markets overall over there and its subsequent impact on the world market, in particular emerging markets as well. And of course, the devaluation of the yuan this summer. What are your thoughts in terms of what we're seeing overall in the world economy right now, Eric? Well, you mean, we might even start off with Canada, which is in a recession, okay, just to set the table here. But uh, there are countries that are experiencing a more dramatic fall-off than us, and probably the poster child these days is Brazil, where things are falling off the table. I think we saw something out of Korea where their exports were down something like 15 or 20%. The Chinese exports in the last report were down something like 14%. We have turmoil in so many countries around the world. We have these refugees moving all over Europe here because they can't sustain themselves in their existing countries. We we just have basic economic weakness around the world. And for anyone to imagine that, you know, we in North America won't be impacted by this is, is simple insanity. I mean, it's the same old story. You have to have someone buy your goods. And if the guy who's supposed to buy your goods is not doing well, he's not going to buy your goods or he's going to buy less of your goods. So, there is some uh, almost catastrophic economic declines going on out there, and I think it's that you can see it bleeding into the way people are looking at the stock market. So that's the big concern. That we, you know, weakness always begets weakness, save for someone coming in with some kind of stimulus or some kind of financial change. But the hands of the central banks are tied with zero interest rates. We already print as much money as we can. There's really nothing that can turn it around at this point. So I just think the world trade is going to decline here. World GDP is probably going to decline. So be very careful with stocks would be my message. So Eric, let's switch our focus from, I guess, the global economy back to the United States in particular. So we've seen some numbers being released as far as unemployment in the U.S. So unemployment benefits apparently have increased 12,000 to 282,000 to the week ending August 29th as stated by the U.S. Labor Department yesterday. And so, again, we've talked about employment issues in the States. What are your thoughts in terms of the current situation right now? Well, the number we want to focus on is this morning's jobs report, okay? When the jobs report was 173,000 jobs, it's well below the consensus. It's a, it's a weak number. We had actually a loss of 17,000 manufacturing jobs. The job layoffs numbers are rising. Most of those things would, would be things that I would have anticipated happening because the previous discussions we have about the average incomes going down and therefore spending has to go down. So we have a very, very weak economy. There's some people that suggest that even though it's weak, the Fed may raise rates here. I think the only purpose it would serve is to pretend that the Fed was actually doing something, having done nothing for the last six years in terms of raising rates. And then, of course, one of my concerns is, you know, we've seen the Chinese have to sell bonds. Obviously, lots of countries have to sell U.S. bonds here because their deficits are exploding. And, of course, think of the OPEC countries where the price of oil has gone down so much that they don't have the surpluses coming in anymore. Now they have deficits. So in order to cover the deficit, you got to sell the U.S. bonds. And I wouldn't be at all surprised in my sort of Machiavellian way of looking at things that part of the decline in the market was to keep a bid 
the climb the stock market to keep the bid in the bond market because the amounts of money that are being, in, in essence, redeemed in U.S. Treasuries on a worldwide basis must just be absolutely staggering. And the Fed needs, uh, it theoretically, without it being able to pick up that buying, because it doesn't have a QE right now, they'd want to try to force people into the bond market. So stock market's weakness plays into that hand. But, I mean, generally, things are, are just bad out there. One of the things that concerns me is derivatives. You know, there's an estimate that we have a quadrillion of derivatives, and I always point out that, you know, 1% decline in derivatives, there's a $10 trillion loss thrown up, as there is a $10 trillion gain, by the way. You know, the problem with that is the guy who loses the $10 trillion can't pay it because it's beyond any country's, any institution's ability to pay. And, and I pick on 1%. We have the German stock market falling 2% today. We can have the Chinese market moving up or down 4 or 5% in a day. We see currencies fluctuating wildly. I mean, this 1% thing's happening every day here. So I have no idea what must be going on in the derivatives market, but it just must be a horror scene. I mean, those of us in, in the stock market look at a 10% correction, and they go, oh my God, look how awful it is. Just think of a leveraged position in derivatives that you might be leveraging 50 to 1 and, and try putting a 10% move on that. So there could be a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we have no view of, unfortunately, because derivatives tend to be non-transparent. Uh, they're not, uh, the banks aren't forced to mark the market. And funnily enough, there was a rule Im implemented, uh, I think about six months ago, that if a bank was going to collapse because of a der derivative loss, the counterparty can't even make a claim anymore because we don't want any bank to go down because we just realize how volatile derivatives are that, that they can just cause everything to implode instantaneously so we have economic weakness we have lots of reasons why people would be forced to sell stocks because a lot of the models are based on volatility as volatility goes up you reduce your exposure to stocks so there's a lot of pressure on markets here i suspect they will continue the stock market will continue to decline in the scenario we have so, Eric, moving over to precious metals, I mean, usually we focus, obviously, on gold, but we can get to that in a moment. But let's talk about silver for a moment, particularly silver imports in India. So we've seen some pretty astounding numbers as far as coming out for August. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Well, I saw a number where it was suggested that there were imports of 900 tons of uh, silver into India. Now, just to put 900 into perspective, that's almost 11,000 tons a year. We only produce 27, 28,000 tons of silver. And it used to be that um, India was less than 3,000 tons, probably four years back. And to suggest that, for example, it could go to 10, I mean, how do you come in and buy 7,000 tons out of a 27,000 ton market and have the price go down? Of course, this all the while, the demand for silver at the retail level, if you use uh, mint sales as an example, I think the silver sales in the month of August were probably up, I don't know, 150, 200% from last year. We see lots of other signs of huge demand for silver. So I, I found that number rather astounding. It's the biggest number I've ever seen for India. But the silver has become very, very popular in India. And of course, it's inexpensive. And, and we, you know, when you put it out there for a billion people, uh, to want to buy a little bit of silver for any particular reason, but it's it's natural for them to want to buy it because 
you don't trust the banking system. I mean, you can see these types of monumental increases in demand. So that number to me might be a tipping point for silver. It just, we can't go on on that basis that one country could buy something like 40% of all the silver in the world when it only used to buy 10% of all the silver in the world. And yet the price is lower. So uh, it was a stunning development in my mind. So moving on to gold now, we've seen gold obviously sustain a few losses this week, but it now is currently holding steady. What are your thoughts in terms of the outlook on gold right now, Eric? Well, obviously, the the paper pushers uh, seem to have control of the market for the time being. Uh, I think we'll see an interesting data point, not next week, but the week after, if and when China announces uh, how much gold they purchased in August. You know, they, they announced how much gold they purchased in July, which is the first time they ever did it. I presume we might get another number for August. And um, if, for example, they were buying at a 20 ton a month rate, that's 240 tons in a 4,000 ton market in a country that previously was imagined by the World Gold Council as not even being a factor. All of a sudden you come in and you're buying 6% of the market that you weren't before in a market that in my mind was always underbalanced in terms of uh, supply versus demand. The COMEX inventories are are down to nothing. I think there are like 10 tons of gold left on the COMEX. The Shanghai Exchange delivers about 50 or 60 tons a week. So 10 tons in the COMEX is not going to cut it. And uh, I've always imagined that we'll get this physical shortage and we got to be, I think we're basically on fumes these days. They bled the GLD, they bled the COMEX inventories. I think the Chinese announcing their number is a tactic, by the way. I don't think it was not well thought out. And they probably have way more gold than they've announced. And someday they may use all that gold as something to back their currency should the Ponzi scheme begin to unravel, which is showing all signs of unraveling. So I think the the setup for gold and silver is is awesome. I actually think silver looks more awesome than than gold from a supply-demand because of this change in India. So uh, we could see some fireworks here. The reasons to own it are great. Gold went up, I think it was 4% in August. The market was down 7%. There's a 10% outperformance. So far uh, this uh, month, the, the market's been weak. We had an awful close on Thursday. Looks like we'll open up down today. There's going to be a lot of selling pressure brought to bear here. And I think people's memories of 07, 08 are not that far away that maybe they pull the trigger a little faster. We keep seeing numbers that suggest that people are, are redeeming bond funds and, and equity funds. And that money's going to go somewhere. And we don't need much of it to go on a gold and silver for things to get a lot more exciting. So... We all have that to look forward to. Well, as usual, Eric, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. Okay, Jeff, my pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great weekend.